Blog Talk Radio. Because, you know, 
when we get finished tonight, I usually download the audio, make a video of it, and edit it all day tomorrow, and then I upload it to my YouTube channel. And it, I, I actually have six o'clock though. I have to leave at six o'clock. Okay. Have to leave at what? In about. Oh, okay. Hour. What is Around. that? About an hour. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll get into it so we can. If you want to ask me any questions about the inner child that you haven't had answered, I can do that. Because, you know, sometimes I get kind of talkative. But everybody, I'm a former licensed clinical mental health counselor and now a spiritual pastor working with people with issues, uh, coming out of all kinds of abuse. I've been doing it for many, many years with people at all levels and some very dark stuff. And uh, so tonight's topic, as I was talking to Philip, is the inner child. Uh, in therapy and stuff, some people might call it their inner voice, uh, a friend. Uh, they don't really know what it is. They might even look in a mirror and see a child, or uh, they might hear voices. They uh, have a consciousness of somebody maybe else inside of them. Uh, talking to them, maybe comforting them. And uh, in a lot of mental health work, it's called an inner child. Philip, what question would you like to ask of me that maybe you've not been able to get answered by other people? Well, sometimes I hear, like, my dad's voice yelling at me, and I'm just wondering, does that ever go away? Uh, Yes, okay, now... What happens to us when abuse occurs is sounds, smells, you know, it's all biological, our five senses. Store all of that, we'll say, voices, pictures, in chemical, neurochemical uh, format. And what happens is when we hear, we'll say, your father's voice, it can be a memory, it can be a flashback, it can be driven by fear. Um, that kind of thing. What I typically teach people to do is, uh, and I have done this because, you know, nobody else hears your dad's voice but you. And it is a a way of, uh, you could look at it as self continuing to self-abuse you, condemn you, and you feel this is what's supposed to happen. Deep in the spiritual realm, there are people and things that do talk to us, inside our bodies and outside. What you would do in this case is you kind of put yourself on notice. You go, he's not in me, he's not talking to me anymore, and I'm I'm going to bind that up, and he's not going to, and any time he starts speaking, now this is all done inside of, okay? You go, I make you deaf, dumb, and blind, something like that. So you kind of do a, a counterattack back. And what will happen is another part of you will rise up. And you can actually create within yourself an image, say, of a superhero. And you can give yourself, you know, that your inner child or a lot of times your inner child is a wounded, broken little. But you can create a sort of savior, a hero that will fight your battles for you. And you would just say, I... I can't stand up to my dad's voice. I don't want to hear it. I don't want it talking. So I need something or someone to fight back. 
But you don't want a war going on inside of you. You just want the voice to go silent. So you can just, uh, in spiritual work, you would pray and say, shut the mouth of this lion, okay, or this tiger that's roaring at me. You say a name and say, if it shows its mouth and it just starts talking, shut it down. Okay. So you're sort of giving yourself permission from within inside to shut the mouth of this lion, this roaring voice. Another time uh, during the abuse, we heard so much of that from our parents or the abuser. It stays in there and uh, they said words like, you'll never get free of me, you're always going to listen to me, blah, blah, blah. And that sets up that we are continuing to abuse ourselves, condemn ourselves because of what they sort of commanded us to do, something like that. So what you have to do is you would you would say to yourself on the inside, I break that power of those that voice, those words over my life. I won't listen to you anymore. I shut your mouth. I close your mouth. And you can use your... I've, I've learned to use hand gestures or something like that. You can take your hand with a fist open and close it and say, I shut your mouth. You'll never speak to me again. You have no right to talk to me again. You can take your hands like you know those and put them over your ears and say, I close my ears off to you. Sometimes we have to do some active, just mental work, active things with inside of us to stop it. Okay? Now that's okay. sort of a... Uh, go ahead. Got a question? I just said okay. 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 There's a battle going on on the inside of you. Okay? Is your father around you when you hear it? No, you're all alone and stuff, but the voice is still there. And our enemy, who doesn't want us healed, free, okay, this is a way of continuing the abuse. It's a, sometimes a self-condemnation. We believe inside of us, in our soul, we're still in that. And we are still allowing, we, we can't fight back for some reason yet on the inside. So the abuse goes on. And the voice connected to the behaviors, okay, there's a connection. The voice, the picture, connected to the abuse, okay? So you have to, you would sit in a chair and say, you would maybe close your eyes uh, some people would call it imagery. And you would look and you would see yourself, your inner child, maybe like an umbilical cord or something to that person. And you would see them still speaking or yelling or whatever they're doing at you. Okay? So you have to literally do some work. If you did it spiritual, you'd say you would do it through prayers. You'd say, I cut that cord. I send that voice off into the sea of forgetfulness. I destroy that picture of that person that's inside of me. I disconnect that person from 
my inner child. Then what happens is your inner child will say, your, it's sort of like it's been so tied, handcuffed, okay, to that voice, to that person that has that voice, that then all of a sudden you feel alone. A lot of people go, I, I, I don't know how to live without that connection. I don't know how to live with a peaceful internal self without that voice. I know how to live with that voice. I know how that makes me feel, and that's what I'm used to. I don't know what I would feel if that was not there. And that connection, when my father passed away, I had, you know, he was the kindest person in my life, closest, but I felt like I was dangling, you know, I had my umbilical cord blowing in the breeze. It wasn't connected to somebody. And I knew there was an enemy that would love to connect to it. So I had to, within myself, say, I'm going to take that umbilical cord. This is the pastor talking. And I'm going to connect it to my Father in heaven who loves me and will speak kind words. I had to reconnect to something bigger than myself, outside of myself, that I knew loved me. And then I'm in a bond, in a connection, and I could get good stuff, you know, sort of through the umbilical cord, the pipe, back and forth. Now, you have to do a lot of inner work like that. And the inner child that's in there that this father is speaking to or yelling at or whatever, child knows no other. Okay. Now, you can do it another way. You can ask that small child if he wants to be free. And and most of them would go, yes, but I don't know how. And then that's when, uh, I, I don't know, I think I told on another one, where you would pray and say, Father, take that inner child, put him in your arms, let him go to sleep, a peaceful, peaceful sleep where all they hear is sweetness from a father. And the inner child is getting healed, going in sort of a self-hypnosis uh, trance, and it slowly just goes into a deep sleep and maybe not ever wake up. And it gets healed that way. And when it wakes up, it's a different person, sort of speaking. And that connection to the father we'll say in spirituality and Christianity, it's been loving on it with sweetness. It's cut it it has cut and fought for and severed the ties to the other father and the other voice. So the inner child that this is happening to, we don't need to leave it alone. We need a different connection to a different father with different words. Or, you know, if that was the abuser, right? If it was the mother, you do the same thing. And so you're replacing. You're also binding up. You say, I ain't going to listen. No. I'm going to bind your mouth and shut your mouth up. That's, is it an image that's in there? Can be. Is it a memory? Can be. Some people might call it a curse that this is. And it goes on and nobody knows it but you. And you sit quietly somewhere and you hear it. 
and it sounds so real, and you look around the room looking for him, and he's not there. You don't see him, and you might think you're starting to go crazy. You're hearing voices, you know, this father thing. And you go, your body then responds through the fight or flight syndrome, and you go through all, and your stomach hurts, you get a headache, you start sweating. You know, you live in a tensile situation all because of this voice. Does that help? Yes. Anything else you. you want to add? Huh? Um, no. Sorry about the dog. Okay. No problem. So what happens is there's a lot of inner stuff going on that most people, when they go to therapy, they don't tell the therapist. And um, they don't know what to say about it because they don't want to be classified as hearing voices being crazy. The first time I ever heard somebody think, Outside of myself, I was walking, and there were some people in front of me, and this man turned around and looked at me, never opened his mouth, but I heard him speak. And I'm thinking, oh, dear, I'm hearing voices. Now, this was a spiritual work of discerning the spirits, where I could hear, see, look into the spirit realm. And I could hear him talking. And I had to go check on some other pastors to see if they did that, and they were okay, they weren't crazy. And I looked in the Bible, and Jesus said he could perceive people's thoughts. I go, okay. But if I hadn't had that training and knowledge, and and then I realized, and that came on me all of a sudden. Now, other times I've heard the demonic world and spirituality, they're outside of me, say things to me, okay? And I'll, I'll respond back to them in a thing I got. I disbelieve you. You're a liar in the name of Jesus. I bind you up, okay? So I respond back, but I know where they're at. So the spiritual world and the natural world are interconnected. And sometimes you can't tell about if it's inside of you, outside of you, you're at home alone, you know, sometimes you. But the inner child, the one that a lot of people call Child means one, but there's rarely just one inner child in there, but there's usually a main one. And the main one is usually the wounded one that uh, is a small child, and uh, sometimes they have a name, sometimes they don't have a name. And, And a lot of people from abuse know they have an inner child that needs healing, which means love, compassion, needs to feel safe and what's happening is your thoughts and your in your soul your subconscious needs to feel safe it's also a spiritual thing so it's kind of two realms working any more anything you want to comment on about that philip what you might think about i've been waiting my whole life to have a conversation like this like i've had with nastia a lot i know you're on there a lot and so you want the conversation about what the inner child and the healing or what it is or what? Well, about all of that, yeah. Like all the okay. I've heard so far. Okay. What I had to learn, like reading John Bradshaw, he talked about healing the inner child. And he said there's a little person inside of you that's been hurt and wounded, the abused one. It, and he talked a lot about its needs. But it's really you. But it's you at an earlier age. 
and how that child gets healed and a lot of your issues are dealt with is through love and comfort and stuff and feeling safe. But John Bradshaw really didn't go too much into the whole family that's in there and all the little ones and the babies and all the different ones. And, uh, you might have girl, you might have some girls inside there, but, and you might have some other ones, and you might have some that are animalistic. You might have a superhero in there, something like that. And uh, because we're, we're going to survive, and some of us form all kinds of images, and we have to become in our mind something to survive. And um, so the inner child, now there's not a lot of taught in mental health counseling with most of your uh, therapists with adults about the inner child. How they get there is maybe imagery. Imagine yourself sitting somewhere and let your child come out, okay? And uh, then they, some people will go through it to get there through hypnosis, which is putting your conscious awareness part of you asleep and tapping into your subconscious and when you're into the subconscious part of you you can plant all kind of ideas and all kinds of orders and things like you'll see it with magicians they'll put you to sleep and say when you hear this sound start um, barking like a dog and then they wake you up and everybody thinks, oh, nothing happened, and they ring a bell and you start barking like a dog, and you don't have a clue. So there was a lot of programming done to your subconscious. The inner child uh, is a way of realizing you've got a little one in there, the one who was abused, that's hurt, wounded, scared, frightened, not feeling safe, and it needs some kind of healing and in the oh mental health world life coaching i don't know about peer-to-peer they will try to speak to that inner child and get the inner child like in therapy kind of come to the surface and talk what and tell the therapist what it needs okay and the therapist then would, and that would almost, it's, it's a multiple personality, a disassociative part. And it would come up and talk to the therapist, might have a different name. When I was younger, I was called Deb, D-E-B, which is short for Deborah, or Debbie. So your inner child that started might have a different name. It could have a name the abuser called you could have a different name that you gave it. Then your name, Philip, it could be something else or, you know, something like that. You could have, when you were being abused, you thought maybe thought to yourself, maybe if I wasn't a boy, this wouldn't happen. Or the girls are lucky because this doesn't happen to them. So your inner child is actually a girl. Okay? And as it's, and we are, are capable at the time to create an image, a thought, to be something, and it gets formed, and then our thoughts kind of get stuck there. I'm going to use me again, okay? Uh, when I was growing up, we all heard about Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, and the Easter Bunny. Traditions from my parents. Culture and everything 
showed us it was real. But later on, when I really started going after God, I didn't want to have anything in me, any thoughts, beliefs, images that was not real. So I'm reading the Bible one night, giving a test. And it said, don't believe vain imaginations and things that were something, traditions of men. And I got an aha moment. (gasps) I have been a liar. I have been lied to by my parents. That there was a Santa Claus. Because I was a Santa Claus to my own son. And there was a tooth fairy and an Easter bunny. And I was passing this cultural lie to my own son. God convicted me that I had been lied to, that I was a liar, and I was passing this false information to my son. So I repented and everything, got that cleaned up. Then God made me go and get on my knees in front of my 10-year-old son and ask his forgiveness. God was dealing with some thoughts, beliefs, attitudes in me through the word. Now, we are all pretty much, when we were all kids, (laughs) we were lied to about everybody, you know. Then throw in abuse, and you have happens in abuse is our biological body, whether it's ready or not. The nerve endings in the biological body get stimulated. It's either pleasure or pain. It's a betrayal, and our little hearts and minds cannot deal with the betrayal, the broken trust, the lack of safety, the fear. So somehow you survive, people survive it, but they're not whole. So the inner child is the one where they say, this is the part of you that's wounded. If I could ask you, Philip, what wounds do you think need to be healed in your inner child? Um, Neglect and like uh, mostly just neglect. Okay. What do you mean? Tell me what you mean by neglect. Neglect means the what? Okay, I want you to define it for me, how you interpret neglect to be. Social deprivation. What does that mean? Not having a lot of friends or like not having a lot of friends. Not having a lot of friends. Why is having friends important to a child? Um, I don't know, but it's healthier... Okay. Human beings. Why is it important? Okay. Human beings, we are social creatures. We were created initially to be in families and to have families. And we were created pretty much to have a partner. Okay. And we were to have children. You have friends and family. When that's deprived of you or the friends or the family you have are not trustworthy and they abuse you, they neglect you, they lie to you, they hurt you, okay? As a child, you only have two categories, family and friends. Where you get all your education from, your nurturing, your social skills, um, you know, your early education in the family. What I learned in child development, time a child is five years old and goes to kindergarten, 85% of their values are formed about society, authority, policemen, and the kindergarten teacher 
they can have a rough time with a five-year-old because they don't respect authority. A lot of your social norms are already in place, and they start coming out because they leave the family unit. Culture plays a big role in that, religion, family, okay? So where is the first, the deep inner development of every child is in the family, infancy. And somehow God has created the child to have a mother, father, brothers, sisters, friends, aunts, uncles, community. And if any one of those areas that are to uh, provide, we'll say, nurture, environment, connections, uh, support, comfort, breaks that, betrays it, abuses it, something happens in the child. And the child then is neglected, betrayed, uh, not comfortable with friends, can't trust people. Uh, If a friend betrays you, uh, betrayal usually starts from the parents, and then you don't trust friends, and then you fear them finding out your secret, and you don't, and you maybe were told you don't talk to anybody, and so then you become isolated emotionally deprived, you're not strong, there's no comfort, uh, nobody that will just put their arms around you and say nothing, nobody to cry to. Uh, for boys, they friendship is let's go play some sports, let's ride our bikes, um, skateboards, go play basketball, rough and tumble stuff. That's how we girls sit and giggle and talk and totally different, but it's you're in a group and you have friends, you trust with your emotions, you can be, let your hair down, so to speak. Boys just do their friendship a little differently because they are more of a more a masculine type of friendship. You know, we're going to play king of the sandbox or something, and we're doing it in fun, where girls want to be pretty and something. So all that you... the human mind and emotions and even the body need of connection, support, comfort, truth, love, peace, joy, uh, not being rejected by friends or families, feeling safe, uh, you know, not afraid of the door opening, um, slowly working its mind into um, the changes of the biological body and puberty and uh, slowly growing and maturing. If that is, if the time frame is disrupted, you can uh, be in, in puberty and have a child's mind and not understand anything. And um, so when all of that gets disrupted by abuse, inside of us we have the ability to create and we sort of, part of us gets stuck with the inner child who's sort of carrying all the wounds, the brokenness, the sadness, and it's sort of sometimes bottled up in one person. 
in the movie Sybil, she had a multitude of inner children, all different ages, all different styles, and uh, one of them was never abused. They were smart. Another one was this. Another one was that. And it was total chaos in there most of the time. Three faces of Eve, okay, she had just two, but then a third. Another great movie, if you can stand it, is to watch The Cell with Jennifer Lopez. And it shows the different compartments of our mind and what goes on, the evil parts, the bad parts. And how this got formed in this man was he was getting water baptized at about the age of five and he almost drowned. And the fear of death was so strong that it he split and demonics came into his life and then he had abuse in the family. And so he had all these different chambers and rooms and he was different ages and he, he had some bad ones in there. And Jennifer was a therapist trying to get in there and get some information. But his mind was so broken, so evil, so wicked, so horrible. She couldn't help him with her strength, so she brought him into her mind where she was the queen and how she ended up helping the whole system was she took the young boy part, rebaptized him, and you know, they're just laying on two tables in, and they're in the mind, and held him under the water till he passed away and passed and died so the demonic spirit would uh, let go. And that part would uh, be free. A lot of stuff I had to watch to help me understand. Now, John Bradshaw, it's good. It'll help people start seeing. It wasn't required. I don't think John Bradshaw wrote it when um, I was going through um, being a mental health counselor because in in psychology, psychiatry, as a clinical mental health counselor or social worker, your inner child is considered really a disease because you have an illness. Now, you have a medical problem. And the solution is medicine. And the solution is just try to get you to, okay, just live with your inner child pretty much, but just kind of be a normal person and, you know, take your meds and eat right and things like that. Did that help you any, Philip? Yeah. What How are you doing on your time? Huh? Um, what kind of medicine? Uh, what they end up usually doing is first they figure out you're depressed, so you get antidepressants. Then a lot of times they find out you're filled with anxiety, which is another word for fear, but they don't like to say it, so you get an anti-anxiety medication. And if you got some really deep voices in there and stuff, like that might go to Thorazine or some other stuff. So you might be taking two or three things if you're having... My brother was on uh, lithium because uh, he was manic depressive and, of course, some of them, like lithium, made out of pig uh, salt from pig urine, and it can affect your liver, so they ended up putting him on Tegretol because they're trying to straighten out the neurochemical balance in your brain. So typically in a lot of these, before these psychiatrists and counselors will diagnose you with a, 
hardcore mental illness, schizophrenia, stuff like that. Hearing voices, they'll start you off. You're depressed. You've got anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, and uh, they'll try to medicate you maybe with sleeping pills so you won't have the flashbacks. And that's all the weapon they got is medication. They can do um, other things to help your breathing, like biofeedback. They can tell you to lose weight, you know, not to drink a lot of alcohol. They can do um, electric shock treatment. Uh, in some of the worst, worst, worst cases, they used to do lobotomies, and they'd sever your frontal cortex so you wouldn't have any emotions, so you wouldn't swing and do anything. But the inner child is, uh, you know, you might, it's there. Uh, like I said, a lot of therapists aren't trained in it. Most pastors don't know anything about it. So uh, what else can, before you, I got about 25 minutes till you got to go, so I'm going to make sure we get to all your questions. Um, would you like to hear what medicine I take and then maybe you could, like, give me some advice sure. or something? Uh-huh. I take Invega, Risperidone, okay. Hydroxyzine, Lexus, and Lexapro. And what's a list, okay? What are they for? What the, what are the diagnoses, Philip? Um, schizophrenia and psychosis. Okay. And psychosis. Okay, those are pretty in the mental health world. They're saying they used to when you, with the psychosis, you know, you're seeing and hearing things that are not a normal stuff. And the schizophrenia, the word schizo means divided, and phrenia means mind. So they go. We already know you got two minds in there, you're two people or something. And um, I work with a guy in the deliverance ministry, uh, he's an evangelist one, and he had a hard time because his father was a pastor. And in church, you acted one way, okay? But when you got home, it was a totally different story, a lot of abuse. So he had to develop two different types of personalities, two different, and one was on the left side of the brain, one was on the right side. So when he went to church, everything was wonderful. And his dad acted a certain way. But at home, it was different. So when we did the deliverance work on him, we were pulling sort of things out of one side of the brain and pulling things out of the other side. So, yes, that does happen. And in the mental health world, all they know is you're having these symptoms, your auditory is involved, maybe your visions, you're seeing things, you're hearing things, you're experiencing things. They really don't know, Philip, what causes it if they've done MRIs. They can't find any cysts, they can't find tumors, can't find any blood leaks. Can't, they don't say you got Alzheimer's or dementia. They can't find if you've had concussions. You know, if you've had brain aneurysms, been hit on the head. I've worked with a lot of head injury patients. So you don't have any of those that could cause the hearing of the voices, the schizophrenia, the weirdness, okay? And um, the movie Jekyll, Dr. Jekyll and Dr. Hyde, he took, he was doing some experiments, I think. I think Spencer Tracy played this in a movie. And he would be one person during the day and one person at night. And um, we see that all the time. We hear that there's some guy about the Gilgo Beach murders. He was married, had a family, but they believe he's going out and killing prostitutes. Two different kinds of people, you know, living two different lives. But he looked normal. He, he was a son. 
Okay. And, and, and they just, it's hard to go there to imagine that people's minds would be that way. And so they're just going in for the criminal part. So when you're taking those meds, the psychiatrist is saying you've got some pretty serious stuff going on on the inside of you. All we know how what to do and the only kind of tool we got is medicine. And if we can take your brain and get it either balanced out, uh, numb enough, uh, you know, so you don't, whatever's being released chemically in the neurons and the firing, if we can get it sort of stopped through medicine, then you won't have these thoughts. You won't think like this, and you'll be a normal person. Just take your medication, go to work, have a family. And that's about all they can do, because they really don't know what causes it. And, but they know if they give you a, the right combination of medicine, and they medicate you up enough, you, a lot of that stuff doesn't happen to you anymore. Does that help? Yes. So, so it's okay. What do you think about taking what they're saying about you? Um, I wanted I wanted psychiatry help for a long time, so I'm happy it's here. Okay. Oh, they love you. Believe me, the psychiatrists, I love them. They are dedicated people. They love helping people. They they are first doctors. They love the physical body. They know your brain, and um, they want you to have clear thoughts, good feelings, a normal life, work, family. And from their training, this is how they approach it. They don't know how to fix it. There's no surgery. They've tried everything. Okay, they haven't opened the top of your head called trepanning to let the bad fumes out. Okay, if it was so bad, they did used to do lobotomies where they'd sever your frontal lobe and you wouldn't have any feelings ever again. You just blanked out. And what happens is they know by changing the chemicals of the brain, the neural stuff and all of that, and you resting and sort of being in the best environment you can be, a lot of those thoughts, voices, weird stuff that you have said or going on or you're seeing because you your brain is connected to the five senses. You can have auditory things going on, visual things going on. Something can You can feel like something that's touching your body. You can have stomach reaction. You can, the five smells, okay? The brain and the body are connected. So they're trying to get your brain, okay, to calm down, get some chemicals in there so you can think clear thoughts and not have those thoughts and not them to just intrude when you're doing something, like driving a car and you and you start hearing stuff or seeing stuff. And they're wonderful people. They... they uh, you know, and that is what they use to help. There's nothing wrong with taking it. What else do you want to know about the inner child before you go? Um, what 
does a normal person's inner child look like? What is a normal person's inner child like? Yes. Okay. A normal person who's not really had abuse, the inner child is sort of the same age as the person, but at the same time, sometimes they never grow up. My brother never wanted to leave childhood or never wanted to leave. He wanted his parents. Now, there was a curse on my brother from four generations back, and he got betrayed, felt rejected, neglected by his mother. So he always was never wanted to leave home, always wanted to be taken care of. Was that his inner child acting? Probably. The normal person who has no abuse really won't have an inner child. They're sort of at the age that they are. If they're five years old, their thoughts are five years old. And they do what a normal five-year-old would do. They talk to their teddy bears. They play with their dolls. They have their friends. And um, But as the child grows through childhood, child starts growing, which is thoughts, values, like that person that's in there starts growing. And... Uh, it doesn't need to be a child anymore. And it slowly matures, okay, into an adult. But abuse victims, they stay stuck because that part of them is still hurt and wounded and rejected, abandoned, betrayed. And they can't, the in deep inside, they can't make close connections with the other sex or with friends. And because the inner child is not capable of doing it, and uh, it's afraid to do it, and it's some most of the time deep on the inside, it will stay stuck there. But yet we're capable of creating an outside part, an adult male, go to work, have some kind of family, call NASCA. You know, go to the psychiatrist. A child, they ain't going to do that. They just want to play and uh, just kind of feel bad for themselves. So a normal person who doesn't have any kind of abuse, they, you know, we're all childish when we're children. But we we grow out of that and we develop a um, more adult type. Has that helped? Questions before you have to leave? No more questions. Okay. What you want to do is, you know, stay on your medication and uh, understand that is just one, it's sort of healing, okay? The medication, uh, I don't, you can ask your psychiatrist if they believe in inner children. They may not, they may choose to hypnotize you to reach that inner child and uh, say reprogram the inner child, and they would say, you're not a child anymore. You need to grow up. You're not being abused, so you don't need to be here. In spiritual work, we kind of do it differently, you know. And um, I had to learn about inner children, inner work, and uh, how people were programmed to have all these different 
in the occult, they'd have a dark side whole system that served Satan and all that stuff. Then they had a light side part that maybe was a policeman, a school teacher, a pastor, judges, politicians, and they looked very normal. But they had, but they, um, a lot of times then they would go home and at night when everybody's sleeping, uh, sometimes they'd get up in the middle of the night and go someplace and do something or their spirit would leave their body. That was a whole new level of my education and go do some stuff. I had to learn pretty quick that most people have an inner child and the purpose was survival and I would, I'd talk to them. I would talk to the inner child. They would come uh, through people. They would. Um, I had to spiritually know, let's say I'm talking to you, Philip, and some girl wanted to talk to me. Okay, or some part of you wanted to come up and say, hi, Pastor Deborah. I would have to know instinctively that that was coming up, that when I talked to one part of you, your inner child, I was talking to the whole system. Okay? And I had to love that system. I had to love every part in it. I had to love everything that about you. I had to know all the bad stuff. You didn't have to tell me because I already knew. And all I did was love and tell you how much somebody else loved you. And I was going to be here. And I'll be there in your dreams if I need to be. And I would do tons of work, and these people would just listen. And they couldn't believe that they would be in love this much. And they would feel the love, and they could sense it. And they, 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 they loved it, but they were afraid of it. And most of these people want love, but they're afraid of it. They're afraid to take a chance on it, afraid to... Uh, afraid to go back into their childhood. I wasn't going to hypnotize them or anything. I'd be on the phone with one and I'd have Grand Central Station because the the system was reaching out. And I had to learn how to talk to a system inside one person. I had to learn about the system and what it was for. So that's why I watched all those movies and um, to bring healing. Now, spiritual healing is different. A lot of it was, uh, I don't know if you heard the story about James and Candy. James was created by a three-year-old. because in the cult. It's horrible abuse. And uh, it was it was a, po- a boy part, a teenager, to protect her spirit because there was nobody else. We all create, when we're being abused, we are going to protect if nobody else will, we will protect ourselves. We will create something. Could be a lion. Could be something that will protect our spirit, so our spirit can go into a trance, go into hiding, uh, go into self hypnosis, and survive during the abuse. And there's some another part of us. Okay, that's what the three faces Eve Black was. That's tougher than what our little spirit is. And they are the fighters. They are the heroes. They are our protectors. Uh, they are our saviors. And it's usually we'll create whatever we think. I've known people to create. i got to get out of here. I can't leave my body. I'm going to become the clock on the wall. I'm just a clock. And nothing's happening to me. Okay, so they think so hard to, you know, to get out of the situation. Stuff's happening to their body and their soul, 
But at that moment, they are the clock on the wall. Or they leave and fly away as a bird somewhere. And, um, you know, uh, they just, and our brains and our minds and our spirits are capable of doing this. And um, so we do it. And the inner child's a gift, our form of self-protection. It's our form of creation. The only way sometimes we can protect ourselves. And then what happens when the abuse, when we get older, because we don't know how to, we may not even have known that we had created an inner child. We don't know it's there. Uh, and when the child comes up, maybe you suck your thumb or you curl up in a ball or you've you got stuffed animals or all kinds of things, you whimper and, you know, how you dress and things like that. And you don't know it because your consciousness goes into sort of self-hypnosis and the inner child comes up and they kind of, oh, boy, I'm up. And they stay up for a while. And then they'll go down and the other you come up. And you won't remember the other, but your inner child came up. You may not know you had a crying session or something. You may not know. And you don't have any memory because the memory's all fragmented and uh, separated out. So in healing, uh, therapists and healers need to know it's in everyone. And they have to learn to heal and help the inner child. Because the inner child, you know, wants to be loved, wants to feel safe, wants to be connected, have friends. Um, It wants to um, not be hurt anymore. And it doesn't know how to do that. It's sort of stuck in time. And um, it it can't grow up. No matter how old the physical body gets, it's still there, stuck in that age and that time. And a good person who is well-trained in that, you know, about integration, we'll call it, that's what they use it in the mental health world. Because uh, when I was working with this young girl named Andrea, she was horrible, horrible life. She was seeing a psychologist on all kinds of medication, had multiple personalities, and they told her it's going to take six or seven years for her to integrate all of them and be whole. And God said to me, I'm going to show her it's not going to take six or seven years, and my way is not the world's way. And that's the story called Carrie. She's mine. And how God did a lot of work inside of her through prayers one night at my kitchen table, and I saw the results of it the next day. So before you go, you got about five minutes, Philip. You want to speak to the people on NASCA, you will be on LinkedIn, YouTube. This is going out to the maybe up to 50 to 100 people listening to you. Well, you say anything? Um, I hope that people find NASCA. And if you're listening to this show, I think that these people want to help you. There you go. See, Philip, I make a video of this and people watch it from all over the world. You know, child abuse is worldwide. And you are a wonderful young man who is seeking healing. And so you're going to be a part of it because you're going to help other young men. Men usually don't go to get much help. 
and they don't want to talk about it. And especially if it's it's just a, a, a different, it's easier for women to talk about it than men to talk about it. And okay. so I'm real proud of Huh? Why is it easier for women to talk about it? In the normal person's mind, we'll say sexual abuse with a, a girl in the front. We can all we all know what that is, but we can't imagine the the back entrance of a little boy, an adult male. It seems so abnormal for the, the adult male to do that for a little boy. And it's just so far out of normal sexual abuse thing. You know, oh, a man is going to, you know, abuse a girl. We know what that is. Okay? That seems to have been accepted by society. It's sort of, okay, there's prostitutes. And the world out there for the boys of survival sex, homosexuality, uh abuse from clergy and stuff, it's not talked about as much. It doesn't go to court. It, it just isn't. It's not in the studies as much for therapists. The boys have a harder time. And, and it's more embarrassing. Okay? And it's, uh, it's, it's just sort of even more abnormal. And so the boys have a harder time talking about it and um that kind of thing and um and I always had to knew that cuz that's what I I was working with all of that stuff okay in the occult and stuff it's just so I had to get used to some horrible stuff and let them know it doesn't matter what happened to you who did what I a spiritual mother love you and there was somebody else who you didn't know yet, who they didn't know, loved him, a father. See, the father figure is the one that everybody's seeking. The mother provides the anchor, but you have to have both in balance and feel the love. I stepped in and loved them. I adopted them like I did you and just loved them with words. When they asked me questions, I was right up front. They couldn't believe they would feel something coming across uh, on the phone and emails and videos. Couldn't believe they were being loved. They go, don't you know what happened to me? Yes. Don't you know how dirty I am? Yes. Don't you know I got all these broken parts? Yes. Don't you know how evil and wicked I am? Yes. Don't you know what I've done with demonic spirits and I've done in meetings? Yes, I know it all. But I love you. I've had people say, I'll tell you my story, Owl. You go read this, Owl's it's a video. He wanted to tell me his horrible story about his father doing what he did to to see if I would still love, can't do anything but love you. And I was passing that love on to them from somebody else. And they couldn't believe it. But I held through everything because love was the connection that would do the healing. Well, that's not done in mental health counseling. But I would stand. I had to stand the test. People felt so comfortable. Go well. I don't think you'd love me. You let me tell you my story. And most of the boys couldn't tell me their stories. I had this one boy, Chris. He was a heavy metal drummer in a heavy metal rock and roll band, powerful band. 
And he would get mad. I'd send him cards and I'd send him emails and he'd get so mad. It took him years before he would trust me that he would let love. Best way to look at that if you go watch the first Star Trek movie about Beecher. And this machine wanted to touch a human being, his creator. This man stepped into in this machine, Voyager, was Beecher. Started touching him with electricity all over his body. And then this probe, Ilea, stepped in. Everything is looking for connection and love. And these people that I started working with, they wanted to live so much they killed people their precious brothers and sisters and people and dogs was either them or the other. And I had to love murderers and killers and drug cartel people, some of the most horrible abusers you'd ever, so they could experience what they never had. I would cry for them and they would tell me their stories. They'd write them to me. And I'd say, yes, I want you as my spiritual child. And they would say yes. Some took a little longer because they didn't believe it. They were afraid of it. But I stayed steady. Now, mental health counselors don't quite do that, but they do love you. Your psychiatrists love you. They want you healed and whole, and they use medicine. There's nothing wrong with that. And that was how I stepped into understanding. Are you still with us, Philip, or have you already left? Okay, he said he had to leave at 6, so you want to go ahead and do the yeah. announcement, you know, all that stuff, Annie? Sure. Hey, everybody. This is SCAN Radio, show number 3232. SCAN stands for Stop Child Abuse Now. And you can be a part of the show, as Philip has been, by calling in. And the phone number to call in is 646-595-2118. I'll repeat that, 646-595-2118. Please call in. You can ask questions of of Pastor Deborah or make comments on what we've been talking about or just talk about whatever you want to talk about, because this show is for you. And when you call in, I will answer the phone and welcome you. I'm Annie. Okay, back to you, Pastor Deborah. Okay, Annie, do you have any comments that you would like to make about what Philip and I were discussing, the inner child? I can comment about my inner child. I did a lot of inner child stuff when I first started working on the incest issue, um, the people that I was with did a lot of inner child stuff, and so I did too. And I, I found it really helpful. I had a baby doll that I carried to meetings, and that was baby Annie, and, and so that was projecting love to that item with my mm-hmm. name. I did that. Mm-hmm. And one one of my favorite things with the inner child has been writing with my left hand. 
because when I do, sometimes it's kindergarten printing, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's fourth grader cursive writing, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's high school shorthandy writing. It mm-hmm. it changes, and I think those are all points at which I was injured that stopped and froze and made an inner child there that mm-hmm. needs writing attention. Yeah, and the John Bradshaw. Um, ideas were a big part of the organization I was in. They uh, they believed in the John Bradshaw Inner Child books. Mhm. Yeah, there's. I, I don't know if they do. All I can say. Mhm. Okay, that's good though. Um, because in mental health counseling, I, I they may do it now, but when I was going through the masters and supervision. There really wasn't any questions on the state test when you're a licensed clinical mental health counselor. You're a medical person, so you could work in hospitals, and you didn't talk inner child with head injuries in and, and, and psychiatric hospitals. You're not you're not going to talk to inner child people. You know they don't have that mm. training, uh, and so that's more of therapy and stuff. And I don't know about what they do in peer to peer. Kind of thing. Um, a lot of times, it's all inner child children coming up, and everybody's hurt and angry. And in one on one, if you have a trained therapist that has followed John Bradshaw or other people, um, you know they uh, will do the work. And um, some use imagery and hypnosis, and but it took me a while to to recognize the switching from the different, you know, uh, parts and programs and inner children and watching a lot of the true stories, reading the books about it, uh, and learning that people were trying to get healed. And even the inner child wants to get healing and uh, wanted that love that wasn't, you know, betraying them and uh, would not hurt them and... Uh, would protect them and that kind of thing. And so inner child work is real important uh, for healing and um, understanding it if you're somebody that's going to work with abused people. And uh, a lot of people that you know, we, we look at adults out there and they act just like kids, you know, and some of the boys they act like preteens and... Some of the girls are so silly and goofy and stuff. And it's all because, you know, of different images and identities they have and different inner child work and um, that kind of thing. So it was a major part that I had to really study about and learn. And is the inner child a multiple personality part? Probably, yes. Is it a disassociative identity Personality, probably, but psychologists who define if you have DID, uh, there are certain criteria you have to meet, and you get tested with a lot of tests and um, things, and they ask you questions, and of course, the system is usually pretty smart, and they usually have different ages in there, and the one that goes to the therapist it's going to protect the system, and that's the whole goal 
is it's uh, protecting the system. And um, so uh, is there any callers, Annie, that you need to let come in? No, there are no callers, but I'll tell the phone number again. Okay, go it's ahead. Six, okay, 646-595-2114. Please give us a call and uh, talk to Pastor Zebra. What I was talking to Philip about, and he said he'd been waiting for NASCA or some of these people to talk about was the inner child. And so some of my questions I probably didn't quite get around to was, what is the inner child? That's a good one. Why does it talk to us? Why does it exist? And what does it want? And these were things, uh, you know, the physical body uh, is just a sort of a container of our thoughts and our feelings, our emotions, our memories. And um, there's a subconscious and an unconscious. And we are just such unique beings. Uh, you know, we're so capable of so many good things and intelligent things and cruel and evil and wicked things. And like I t discussed in another video or something, the inner child is a gift. It's a gift of creation. It's created by the soul and the spirit. And it is a way of salvation for the soul and the spirit and um to survive and uh through horrible you know horrible stuff and uh get through because we know that you can be in say all kinds of horrible situations but if you're loved you're not abused and you might be in a refugee camp in a war-torn zone okay but if you got family or somebody that loves you a lot of orphans get adopted Okay, you can get through the trauma. And what happens is we are such resilient creatures. We want to live. And um, even though there's a lot of suicide that's out there, most of them don't want to die. But they don't have any way out. They don't have any lifeline to hang on to. Uh, the hope is so dim. Uh, the pressure's on them on the inside. You know, the voices they're hearing about, you're no good, you're never going to get there, you might as well go, who cares anyway. So inner voices, is that their inner child? Is that something else talking? Is there something else speaking to them? Is it their own beliefs talking? Is this what they've determined themselves to be from all the abuse? And most therapists are not trained to deal with that or understand it. I had to learn how to deal with that and understand the great emotional needs of the heart, the mind, the emotions, the spirit to be loved. And some people uh, accepted it readily. Others had to be convinced, had to test it, had to try it, had to watch from a distance. Is this real? Could I really be loved? I can't talk about it to anybody. Uh, I, I can't even barely think about, you know, being healed or normal. What's normal? Uh, I, I don't know what normal is because it's. I have no model. So there's a lot of fear that goes on. And as a person who heals people, 
I had to know that about the person that was coming to me, no matter what age. And um, even if they're a, got a PhD in something, they're a medical doctor, a politician, a prime minister, president of the United, it didn't matter. Their spirits were all seeking love. And they were seeking some form of help that they couldn't talk about. And they couldn't say what they were, because they didn't know. So an abused child is seeking, looking. They'll look, I I had people, uh, heavy metal music musicians would say, we're talking to you. I'm speaking to you in my dress, my music, the words. Girls are talking to us when they wear little princess, speaking to me when you color your hair all sorts of colors, wear black fingernail polish, wear a certain kind of clothes. Everybody's speaking. Some people would just look intently and plead with their eyes. I had to understand nonverbal communication to see what was really deeply there. I had to know their anger for being betrayed as children. I had to know how they felt rejected and betrayed by their mothers, their fathers, their brothers, their cousins, their priests, their imams. I had to know that. I had to know they were forced into marriages and situations just to survive. So I had to have a lot of learning. And hopefully most of the people that hear this will seek out therapy or psychiatry if they need it. Programs like Annie got some. There's a peer-to-peer support that might help, life coaching, um, all kinds of support groups, books, a lot of videos on YouTube that are free that you can study. Because everybody's trying to get something, and it's called healing. And uh, Annie will tell you, she's been working for this for a long time. Most of the uh, people with NASCA have been, you know, they're adults now, and they've been going towards healing for many, many years. And Annie, I got about 814. Is there anything else you need to say, or we're getting close to the Hmm. end? Well, I think that I would, again, strongly recommend left-hand writing for people to get, or right-hand, if you're a left-handed person, non-dominant hand writing, doesn't matter, (laughs) Um, to get in touch. I think I was surprised. I will talk about other people. I was surprised to see the age come out in the actual handwriting. Um, mm-hmm. That was it. Was so evident to me that I was contacting a younger part of myself or a, a younger memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you know, in in all of my peer to peer support meetings, there was also a bit, always a big pile of stuffed animals, and you mm-hmm. could choose to hold them, whichever one you wanted mm-hmm. to. A lot of people brought their own. I brought my own doll, but. The idea mm-hmm. of hugging something, holding something to yourself um, is very comforting. Even hugging yourself, self-hugs yeah. are very comforting. But if you mm-hmm. have stuffed animal in there, it's nice too. Um, what mm-hmm. else for inner child? That's, that's all I can think of for inner child things. Well, that's pretty good, Annie. And the reason about the hugging is 
the child, when we were all little, we want to be hugged and held. And we want to hold people and hug them. Whether it's our little baby sister or cousin, you know, and they're one and we're two, we want to hug them. And we're told hugs are good. And and so, but when hugs and holding and touch becomes abusive, okay, and we love our stuffed animals and our dogs and our dollies and stuff because they don't hurt us. We right. feel safe. And we can sort of step into that little inner child and get some love. And it's a, a, a seeking mechanism. And if a therapist is smart enough, they'll see that. And people don't realize touch can be good or bad it was even with animals you know no they touch each other touch is needed and uh to say you're alive to feel another warm body safely we are uh, creatures that are meant to be in families with friends be touched be hugged uh, feel love give love and to and when that is disrupted by abuse, we have issues. And you know, I it, can't it can... hug people. I have a hard time hugging people because we did not hug as children. That would have been That's... a sign of weakness or something, and we yes. were supposed to be stoic, and we don't hug. And um, I right. still, That's... to this day, have a hard time when people want hugs. That's I do it, but I don't feel comfortable or, or I don't feel the love, of that, you know. Yep. A lot of that is culture. This is the way we do it. You're a female. You can't. You have to do things a certain way. Men have to do certain things their way. Culture. So a lot of our um, expressions of love, okay, even how you have a marriage, and how you show affection, and how you speak affection, culture. So a lot of culture comes in. There's not a lot of teaching from parents to children about how to show love and friendship. And a lot of fighting with brothers and sisters of different ages. And you're a girl and you're a boy. And you're of certain family. And this is what we do in our family. And this is not what we do in our religion. And the child is learning all of that. And what happens is abuse affects everything in your life. And as you can see, as you get older, it even affects you then. But the human soul, our emotions, our physical body, is made to be comforted, to comfort other people, to give love, to receive love, to give joy to smile at people, to feel emotions, uh, to feel comforted, holding hands, you know. Uh, And when we can't do that, that's when you go to the dolls and you go to the stuffed animals and you go to the dogs, the support animals. And that thing that you want to do and hug and love and hold a cat in your lap and just pet them, and you can't do that with people, so you do it with dolls and this and People get in, they bite their fingernails, and if that doesn't work to get peace, they turn to alcohol and drugs 
Because the body is seeking it, the soul is seeking that comfort, that peace, and it's trying to get it in every way possible, trying to feel joy, not pain. It's trying to feel uh, exuberant, you know, just joy and uh, closeness. And if it can't get it in a, a certain way, it'll go another way. And child abuse messes up the normal what's supposed to happen and what is supposed to be normal child growth and how a child learns is all messed up. And uh, But yet somehow, Annie, you grew and you become an older person, but you still have residues of childhood because things take a long time to relearn, to trust people. If I tell you my secrets or I trust you with my body, I don't know if you're going to hurt me or abuse me or what. My body is, you know, that's me. And I just can't trust you. I'm sorry. You know, I can have the sexual act and be married, but there ain't nothing there with us, you know. And I'm not going to enjoy it because it's already been ruined for me. And the love that's supposed to be there, it's, it ain't never going to happen. So... We get all messed up early in our years. It takes a lot, lot of work, you know, to help people uh, recover trust, comfort, love, and to feel value again, you know, in themselves and not to hang on to stuffed animals and to dolls and not, you know, you hug yourself, but it doesn't do what you're supposed to not like a mama hugging you, having a bottle and falling asleep in mama's arms it's just, or feeling safe by a father. It's just not the same. But we're doing what, we, what we, we're trying to help ourselves when we do that. We're trying to comfort and give. And if all we can do is give a hug to a doll or a stuffed animal, we feel pretty good. Because at least we're loving something. We've got some love in us that wants to. And if all we can love is a stuffed animal, okay, that's what we do. And and if the animal, you know, the stuffed animal doesn't hurt us, we feel safe with the stuffed animal. And so that's kind of the inner child is seeking, it's needy. It's wounded. Uh, it needs something. It doesn't know what a lot of times. It it, it tries to, like I was telling Philip, it tries to speak to us, come out in your dreams or when you're least expecting it. It has a voice. It has memories. It's trying to get somebody's attention inside to help them. They don't know what to do. And it's stuck in time. It's stuck at an age. And it's it's reaching out the best way to somebody in there. Help me. And uh, I need some help. I don't even know what it is, but I'm not happy. I'm, you know, I'm fearful. I'm frightened. And like you said, Annie, sometimes they only come up when you use your other hand. Uh, they only come up at nighttime, or they only come up under stressful situations. 
and then they go back down and you go, what was that? That was weird. You know, and, and a lot of times the person doesn't even know they're being switched. They don't even know the inner child comes up. They don't even know they got an inner child. And uh, so it takes a very well-educated, experienced healer and helper. Could be your neighbor, could just be anybody, to, to see it and help you through it. And um, Annie, I got about 824, 825, so we have five minutes. If you want to go ahead, you know, and do all the ending part and whatever you're okay. supposed to do, that's uh Okay. Well, I will say that um, we well we have five minutes, so we'll talk again after I do the the ending part. This has been Scan Radio Show Number Three Two Three Two. Scan stands for Stop Child Abuse Now, and is brought to us by NASA. And I didn't read the NASA. Um, mission statement at the beginning of the show. I don't know why I forgot that, but I'm going to read it now. Here's the NASCA. NASCA stands for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. And here's their mission statement. We have a single purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. Excuse my puppy. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, CSA. Presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. Two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services for adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Okay, that was that. And I'll also say that on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we always have a survivor professional to host our show. Deborah is our survivor professional tonight. And um, and Tuesday and Thursdays are times for callers to call in and have conversations with our survivor professionals. And so that's what we've been doing tonight. And we have about two more minutes, Pastor Deborah. You want to say one last thing? I hope everybody who listens and has had any kind of child abuse or trauma of any kind realizes you need some healing. There is hope. There's plenty of people out there of all sorts of training, education. There is medication. There are support groups, community groups, plenty of videos, books. And it does, if you need help, somebody to hold your hand, NASCA is a great organization. There's plenty of people that have been there, done the walk like Annie and me. There's a lot to learn about healing. It's very frightening for some people. But it is up there, down the road, and you don't have to go it alone. And there's peer-to-peer groups, and there's all kinds of help out there. 
So we don't want you to sit, you know, and not get healed and not go after a positive uh, healing journey. There's hope for you. NASCA is just one, but, you know, you don't have to stay in the mess. And you can get much better. And we hope that you will come back and listen to many other of the NASCA blog talk radio shows. Uh, follow uh, Healing. Uh, there's a lot of life coaches. Read a lot of books. Watch a lot of videos and movies. And take a step, one, as they say, one day at a time. Uh, you can do it by yourself, but it's great if you have somebody to go with you or call or something like that. So with that, I say I'll see you guys next week. No, next month, fourth Tuesday of every month unless they need me for something else. And I've enjoyed it, Miss Annie. And we got a minute left, and I turn it back over to you. Thank you, Pastor Deborah. It's been great. You were wonderful. Philip was wonderful. And I'm going to play the music now. Good night, everybody. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.